this is episode 14 of Tegan Goes Vegan. I'm Tegan Karuna. This week, I spoke with Stasia Ashina and Patrick Masucci about their vegan lives and about the meal delivery service that they are just now launching in Philadelphia that delivers two healthy meals and snacks to your house every week so that you have really great vegan food that you always have access to and never have to prepare or deal with or worry about. It's a really cool idea, and I'm hoping to get my hands on some of the food at some point in the near future. So once I do that, I'll let you know how it is. Despite being business partners, they have very different motivations for being vegan, which you'll hear about, which I found fascinating and exactly what this show is supposed to be about. You know, we don't all become vegans for the same reasons. We don't stay vegan for the same reasons. And it's really interesting to me to hear what is difficult for people and what's easy for people and what makes sense to them and what doesn't. And this is like an amazing example of that because there's three of us sitting at the table talking about why we went vegan and they're different things. We do get into this conversation where some vegans get characterized as good vegans or bad vegans and some foods get characterized as good foods or bad foods. And there was something about that part of the conversation that was really sitting sitting poorly with me since we recorded it. And I, I really, I kind of struggle with how to put into words what I'm feeling, but I really don't think that there's such a thing as a bad vegan. And I definitely don't think that there's such a thing as a bad food. I don't think that the healthiness of a food makes it good or bad. I don't think that that's a reasonable or healthy way to look at what we eat. I think that it's certainly better for our bodies to fuel it, to fuel them properly. And I think that most of us feel better the more we eat fruits and vegetables and whole grains and things that are more wholesome. But I don't think that you are a good or a bad vegan if you eat junk food or don't eat junk food. I don't think that one has anything to do with the other. And I also really am not, I'm just not into the idea of classifying something as good or bad. Like everything is relative and everything in moderation and all that kind of stuff. This is not to say that I don't think that our food choices aren't ethical decisions. I am an ethical vegan and therefore I think that there is the, the choices that we make do have important moral significance. But I, I want to be clear that I don't think that the healthiness of a food has any bearing on whether or not it's an ethical choice or any bearing on whether that makes you a good vegan or a bad vegan. So I, I just wanted to make sure that I clarified that up front so that way, you know, there's no, there's no question about my feelings on this issue. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Like I said, they are so different from each other, but also they seem to work really well together and have a common vision for what their company is going to achieve and how it's going to fit into their customers' lives. I think that you will learn a lot and hopefully be able to listen to other people's stories and kind of be receptive to the idea that maybe their motivations or their reasoning for becoming and staying vegan is different than yours. So I look forward to that for you because it was amazing for me to sit with them and talk about it. So here they are, Stasia Ashna and Patrick Masucci. How did you guys meet each other? Um, so I moved to Philadelphia in August and, um, and I took, there was like a period of time where I went and I was traveling and then I came back to Philadelphia and I was kind of looking for opportunities. And I, for some reason, even though I was employed, I decided to look on Craigslist just out of curiosity sake, what, if there were any jobs in the vegan world in, in Philadelphia. And I just, I simply went onto Craigslist and I put vegan in the search engine for jobs. And then there was, he had created a job posting that he was looking for a business partner. He had already been developing a meal service business in the city. And I was like, huh, I read the ad and I was like, uh, what the hell? I'll just send him <laughs> yeah. an email. And we met up at a coffee shop and it was just this experience where we met each other and just instantly felt totally in sync. Hmm. And not just in, not just in terms of like 
professional goals, but just as people, like we just really felt in sync. So it was really cool. So tell me, let's, let's start with the business and then we'll work backwards to like through your vegan stories. Cause I want to hear about how both of you became vegan and mm-hmm. like what was your motivation and all that stuff. But, um, since you met through the business, let's talk about that. So what, what is the company that you're talking about? What is it? What do you guys do? Yeah. So the company went through many different evolutions. Um, it first started off as a personal hobby. I was doing urban farming in my backyard and volunteering on a farm called Heritage Farm, which is uh, right off of City Line Avenue on Monument Road. It's a five-acre farm that's run by a young farmer about, I think, 25, 26. His name is Farmer uh, Adrian, sorry. And... um after working with Adrian and taking home so much produce, I was like, oh, I have to learn how to make this food. I'm not a chef, but I have a real passion for food, and I'm a vegan, so I need to learn how to really prepare tasty food. And I took tons of pictures and put them on Instagram. One person sent me a message and said, hey, bud, it's me, good friend from high school, you know, back in the day. I really want to get healthier, and I see that you're doing cool things with food. Can you give me some tips? And I'm just thinking, like, yeah, I could give you tons of tips, but I really don't know what would be the most you know, value to you. And then he writes me again when he sees a picture of a green smoothie and he's like, whip, whip me up a batch. I'm thinking in my head, like, it's going to go bad really quick. You know, if I it's whip like, you up a batch. put it in the blender. You're yeah, yeah. Just like, <laughs> fruit, he's like, know? bring it over to my house. Like, you know, it's like, let's come over with a six pack of beer and watch the game type of thing. And then I'm like, okay, I'm thinking through the logistics. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. But I was like, but something in me felt like this needs to make sense. And that's kind of how the business was birthed. I was like, okay, someone's asking for help. I need to find a way to get this person organic, green, superfood smoothies because he wants them, you know? And I also need to find a way to make all the crazy, healthy, disgusting, tasting things taste good. And that started my adventures into the kitchen where I was spending hours of like playing with smoothie recipes. And so I called the business Masuchi Superfoods, which is my last name, Masuchi. And all my ingredients had tons of superfoods in them. So that worked. Created a little flyer grew to five clients, and then put out an advertisement on Craigslist, met Stasha, and we were playing with business names. We rebranded as the Prana Company, Prana just meaning life force energy in Sanskrit. So essentially our food should be giving you a good boost of vital energy, like natural energy, not, you know, artificial. Um, And yeah, here we are, seven clients, and website finally up, and a bunch of flyers, and yeah, here we are. So what what do you guys... Do what is the service that you provide? It meets the demand for people who are who don't have time to prepare healthy meals. People that might be trying to transition to a vegan diet uh, and don't really know how to make vegan food. This this is there's a huge demand for that, uh, and and not just and and for for we're finding that even people that maybe aren't vegan just they just want to eat delicious healthy food, and we can we can fit that. Uh, we can fill that demand. So uh, what we do is we're we're making weekly meals for people. So uh, every Sunday, their meals are dropped off in the evening, and they have they have uh, their breakfast, their lunch, and snacks and smoothies. So bars and smoothies for the week, essentially. Mm-hmm. So you're it's totally prepared for. It's not like a purple carrot situation where it's here's the ingredients. Make yep. it yourself. It's exactly it's- the opposite. I mean, like when you look in the meal prep space, you know, now speaking from like a business perspective, there may be like 25, 30 meal prep companies that have a lot of market share, Purple Carrot, Blue Apron, et cetera, et cetera. And all of them are sending you ingredients and recipes and beautiful little postcards with their food history and, you know, make it yourself and have this awesome family experience. And essentially what we're saying is you never had the time to do that. It's going to be a hobby and that's going to fade out really quickly. Like it's going to always, it's going to be fun to cook and learn, but you're only going to, you know, that the utility and the fun of doing that will fade away. But what what you'll always need is a meal on the go, but you'll never have, I mean, we don't live in the, the vegan utopia yet where we can just go out to the corner store, go into 7-Eleven and get a healthy vegan meal, you know, not, let's not even go to the or- organic yet, you know, but just a healthy vegan meal that isn't like <laughs> peanut butter and jelly, you know? Uh, so what, that's essentially the problem we've set out to solve. So you get a bunch of glassware filled with, like Sasha said, green smoothies that you can freeze and defrost, fresh baked, fresh baked, uh, superfood, um, protein bars, um, hummus and vegetables, Brussels sprouts, stir fries, salads, like awesome, awesome salads with nut cheeses and, 
like small batch uh, dressings that we've been making. We're always innovating recipes. So you just stock up your fridge and on the way out to work or what, if you work from home, you just eat off that supply for the week. So the, I imagine the glass containers are reusable. Do they, is it kind of like a, I know this is like the worst <laughs> analogy, but kind of like a diaper service, like reusable diapers, <laughs> like you, you send back the old ones and you get new ones back. Is that, is that how it works or do they like give you, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so that's actually a really good question, and that's also a differentiator between like a purple carrot. A lot of these guys they send out disposable plasticware, and so we were like, well, that doesn't sit well. Dispos- How are we gonna, you know, claim? You know, big part of the reason we're vegan is we're like, okay, we want to, yeah, we care about the environment. So. Like, what? How does this feel to us to send a bunch of plasticware that's just chucked in the recycling bin every week? So the clients actually make the purchase of their own glassware. So the clients have to have some skin in the game and they spend anywhere from 60 to 80 bucks depending on the package they sign up for, or sorry, 30 to 80 bucks depending on the package they sign up for. And then you get that glassware, you wash it, and then we come on Sunday, pick up the clean glassware and drop you off your week's worth in your fresh glassware. That's, that's really cool because that is something that only a local company could do. Exactly. Part of I, I would assume part of why these other companies use all the dis- disposable stuff is because they don't have somebody who can come back around and pick up the clean right. packaging. Right. Absolutely. That's always Absolutely. been something that's bothered me too. Is just like excessive packaging and and tossing it in the trash. So that yeah, just definitely did not sit well with us. I should also mention that another aspect of the business is we're building our coaching aspect of the of the business. So as people um, to to also help people uh, transition onto a vegan diet or maybe maybe they just need help help um, understanding understanding how to make healthier choices is uh, coaching them so going into somebody's kitchen looking at ta- talking to them about what they already have what we can change and modify um, and we're both we're both life coaches, so it's just another aspect of the business that we felt was really important to make lasting, healthy changes for people. Have you have you done that yet with any clients? Have you gone into their houses with them? So I have done this. This is an aspect of the business that we're building now. Um, but when I was living in Michigan, I did this with people. Um, I, I used to work as a personal chef, and I would go into somebody's kitchen and just would totally revamp it. And it got really, it got people very excited and it really, it really helped, uh, to <clears throat> expand their awareness. And when they're, you know, if they, if they, if they're, if they're getting our, if they're receiving our meals, but they still have cabinets filled with all kinds of junk food, it was, it was like, there's all this temptation around them. So then I would also take them to take them to the grocery store and, Talk, just walk around and tell them about all of the different products that are available that they are not aware of. It's just, there's, there's so much out there available if you want to be vegan. There's just so many products and it's just the market just keeps flooding with more and more and there's so many great options. But if you're not in that world, you probably don't know about this. So that actually, that actually makes a big difference for people I found. What was it like? to go into somebody's house and talk to like it's very intimate to go into somebody's home and then it's even more intimate to go into their home and talk about the food they eat and what they stock in their kitchen was that what was that like oh well you're right i mean it's like it's it's kind of it can be vulnerable for some people um and i'm definitely conscious and aware of you know where people's uh people might feel a little sensitive because sometimes sometimes some of the people i was working with were also weight loss clients that were that had um, maybe emotional or uh, psychological issues that they were also trying to work through. So, so I tried to really be sensitive and aware of like people's um, boundaries and what felt comfortable with them. So it wasn't definitely not forced or like I didn't go in there with like judgments, like, like a big trash can and like the trash can and just start dumping their food into it. <laughs> definitely not. That's not my approach. But just like you know, just gently like just t- talking and educate. Just mostly it's just about education and like you know here's here we have like this these are your other options this just making just like creating like more possibilities opening up more possibilities to people so that they're aware that there are other options Mm -hmm. and they don't you don't have to eat this there's like there's this other option that's like more delicious Mm -hmm. and it's gonna it's gonna feel better in your body so that was 
it was, it was, uh, it found that it was actually quite empowering for the people I was working with. And it, it was exciting to like discover a new world of food that they just weren't aware of. Then it sounds like there's not only the opportunity for the health aspect of it and kind of thinking about food and learning about products, but also as we see vegans becoming more prevalent and vegan issues becoming uh, better covered by the news and by various like online outlets, mm -hmm. there are going to be people who want to go vegan and won't know how to start because they don't mm -hmm. know anybody who's Absolutely. vegan. They have mm -hmm. not a lot of cooking skills. And so it sounds like you are going to focus kind of on that clientele for the coaching to like really help the people who are like kind of motivated, but like don't know where to start. Sure. That'll be, that'll definitely be a focus. I want it to be available to anybody, anybody that's looking for that. Um, but that's, that from my experience is definitely uh, a big niche that, that can be tapped into. I just, I meet countless people that, that say, oh, well, I could be vegan, but I don't know. Like they just don't know. They don't know how to do that. So. Yeah. I mean, I would just chime on and say, when you look at the client base we have already and the people who have expressed real interest in like, we call it plant-based, not vegan, because vegan is a scary word for a lot of people. You Very start to scary. think of tofurkey yeah. and things that will like kill you if you eat too much of them, uh, <laughs> over, you know, in the long haul. Um, and actually all of my clients are meat eaters. And I'm actually really proud to say that, that I've got, you know, lifelong awesome. meat eaters to become vegan until 5 p.m. every day. They start their day with a green smoothie, then they go to a, a cacao goji bar and then whether it be Brussels sprouts, salads or quinoa bean burgers, things like that. And they're like, we've never eaten this food before. Like people have really never eaten quinoa before because a lot of meat eaters just, you know, and those restaurants don't serve quinoa. You go to a steakhouse, you're not going to find it. Uh, anyway, um, I say that to say, I think, yes, that service will likely be, I think, appealing to people who are kind of on the brink of like, I want to go vegan, but it's tough because I don't want to eat a bunch of tofu. Um, but I also think, I, I honestly think the bigger market are the people who are just like really selfish about it. Not like, I want to go vegan. No, I just want to look good. And I just want to feel better. Come in my kitchen and do that for me. And it, it just so happens that we're going to eliminate all of the processed meats and all of the cheese and all of the, you know, the things that aren't vegan. Cause at the end of the day, we look at all the research. The research shows that these things are just not good for you. Period. It's not even about the environment. We don't have any like, higher than thou sensibility about what we're doing. These are just the facts. Um, and definitely a differentiator between Stasia and I is like, I wouldn't be good at going into people's kitchens and advising them. I would be the person with the trash bag. Like, <laughs> get this out of here. <laughs> I kind of don't have that patience with people. You know, so I was like, but I like the ice cream. It's like, well, what are you hiring me for? You know, get this out of your kitchen. That's why you guys are partners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Well, when I was doing this, I was working with like a group of women who were all, most of them overweight or obese that just, you know, there was like, there was a slew of other issues. It was like, there was, I couldn't, there, ha I felt like I, in order to really work with them, like, I think that they probably would have pushed me away if I, if I had gone in there and been really intense with them. They just weren't ready to receive that. Certainly, there are people that I could go into their kitchen and probably start throwing things in the trash, and that might work for them. Mm -hmm. But it's just kind of like, for me, like, being able to identify what, what kind of approach to, to use with different people based on where they're at. Right, because every person is different, and so they're not going to respond Every person is not going to respond to the same thing in the same way. It's really yeah, about. Yeah, true. I listening. would actually love to see Patrick go into somebody's <laughs> kitchen and do that. That would be pretty entertaining. <laughs> uh, You'll have yeah. to find a really tough client. You have to be like, sure who can handle it? Who's going to be able to do it? <laughs> so, how if somebody were to follow, if somebody were to get breakfast, snack, lunch from you guys, and then they're on their own for dinner. Have you looked at kind of like your nutrient breakdowns for the food that you're giving them so that way you can kind of advise them on what they should be eating the rest of the day? Yes and no. So like I have had to do this from a calorie perspective because clients have been like, look, I have very strict calorie guidelines my nutritionist gave me, yada, yada, yada. So we're finding that we get people fed till 5 p.m., which is 70% of the day you have one meal left. And we find typically that the calories add up to about 70% of the daily recommended calories for whoever should, should be eating the meals, which is cool. Nutrient breakdown, no. But just to give you an idea, there are nuts, seeds, fruits, vegetables, 
yeah, vegetation in every single thing you're eating, and a lot of it's fresh. I mean, the way I look at everything from the smoothie to the bars, yeah, it's, it's a, just one huge multivitamin. I mean, everything you're eating, Absolutely. you know, I, really I haven't, I haven't broken it down, but, you know, you eat this stuff and you already can feel that you're like on overload of nutrients, overload of vitamins mm-hmm. uh, to the point where sometimes you can't sleep. Like you have to eat something heavy to sleep. Seriously. <laughs> to put yourself to bed. Yeah, it's true. Like I, I was doing fasting at some point where I would just eat. I would do like liquid fast. Like, let me do just green smoothies and liquids and juices for the day. And at night, I was so bonkers because my body was using none of the energy to process heavy things like starches that I was just like, I can't sleep. So I had to make this huge bowl of pasta when I would do these fasts because I couldn't sleep unless I ate the pasta. <laughs> or I'd be That's on like three so hours of sleep every night. <laughs> That's so funny. But I just, um, last week my guest brought his kids with him mm-hmm. and they have a four-year-old and an infant. And the, they were saying that um, that the four-year-old is vegan also and that she has so much more energy mm-hmm. than other yeah. kids because mm-hmm. she's not weighed down by having to digest all of this other mm-hmm. crappy food. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Like in a little kid, you can see that too. And kids mm-hmm. have like way too much energy to begin with. Right. So then to have like even more on top of that, it's mm-hmm. pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's great to see like really, really healthy vegan children because there's like, there's just been so, so much negative uh, I've, I've heard a lot of negative perspective about like, oh, I mean, it's like if you're, if you're an adult vegan, people have like this, this, uh, perspective that you're instantly unhealthy. Some people do. They think like sickly people. Um, so mm-hmm. then it's just great to see children that can just thrive and I didn't just feel so vibrant on a, on a vegan diet. Yeah, she she was great. She was actually on the show for a little bit too, talking oh, about fun. her favorite foods, which was really oh, fun. Oh, cool! Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, how did you guys become a vegan? Let's. I'll start with you, Patrick. How like were you always vegan? Did you come to it a little bit later in life? Like what? What? How did this all happen? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll start it off by admitting that I'm I'm not a good vegan. I mean, like <laughs> I'm a vegan, but like example, my dad is from Haiti. I went to Haiti over Christmas. I also don't drink, but in Haiti, you go and sit down at most meals, and the only vegan food is like fried plantain and rice and beans, you know? So in particular instances, I will indulge, whether it be in like an alcoholic drink, because I, I don't drink, but if in Haiti, I might have a beer or I might even eat a piece of pork, you know, it's just not my thing, but you know, you know, when in Rome type of thing. That said, uh, I'm like 99.9% vegan, maybe one or two days out of the year, I'm not a vegan. Um, all right, backtracking. To me, that counts. That's, <laughs> I'm that's like close <laughs> enough. But I actually like to say that because I will say mm-hmm. that, you know, we had discussed this, that like while all of our clients thus far are not yet vegan, uh, I've been judged by a lot of vegans by just saying that, hey, Absolutely. sometimes I eat a, a Snickers bar and you know that has milk in it. And there's like this whole like debacle about it. it's like just leave let me live anyway that's it that's <laughs> no, another it, subject <laughs> it, you know surprisingly in uh, in talking to people for the show that has become such a one of the things that is most consistent across the people that mm. i've been talking to is that that's it's very sense. clear that this is a real problem for a lot of people that like the idea of needing to be pure about mm-hmm. being vegan mm-hmm. is like of the utmost importance mm-hmm, to some people mm-hmm. and for other people that's not the most important thing and it's just interesting that was not a dynamic that I was familiar with until mm-hmm. I started really talking mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of judgment in the vegan community. Um Yeah, I I've given it quite a bit of thought at this point and I I think that let me let me ask you guys what do you think about this as a theory? Sure. Um because nearly all vegans have had to look at the world like look around, see what's wrong and say, I'm not taking part in this anymore. Like I am not contributing to the suffering. I am not contributing to this environmental destruction, not mm-hmm. doing it. Do you think that because of that kind of like ability to look at the world and say, no, thank you, that maybe there is something like inherent in being the kind of person who would do that, that would then also make you a little bit more interest. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I, think, I think I know exactly you know where, where you're going with it. It's, it's kind of like, it's, and I think I was even thinking about it today about another subject, but this is kind of where I think you're going with it. It's like when you deprive yourself of something for some like higher good, you make this sacrifice, 
Well, now you sort of have this little chip on your shoulder, like, hey, I refrain from doing this and I make the world better. So like, if you're going to claim to refrain from doing this, then be, be serious about it. Cause like, mm-hmm. I suffer, right? Like, cause I honestly, I feel that a lot of vegans, like, they have this resentment towards non-vegans because like the non-vegans are like bacon on everything you know bacon (laughs) ice cream and and the vegans like look i suffer because i don't eat all those foods that i know taste good and like if you're going to call yourself a vegan you better be a real vegan because like you don't get to hold the title unless you suffer too Mm -hmm. you know interesting i I think i get that interesting patrick i think i get that yeah yeah Mm. Yeah, i i don't know that i would i certainly don't feel like i'm suffering being vegan. Um, no, I don't like, either. Not at all. But I think that that's part of is like, if I'm strong enough to never make any kind of uh, variation in the choices that I make, then you should be too. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe because, I mean, you don't feel like you're suffering. I don't feel like we're suffering. And I don't think we're vegans that go out there and like, and call people out if they eat a Snickers bar. <laughs> Definitely not. I'm not. And I don't feel like I'm suffering at all. So I have no resentment towards a vegan who does that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that's it too. Maybe there, you know, there are people who do feel really deprived and maybe that is part of it, part of the motivation in trying to like get everybody on board with what they see as the vegan way mm-hmm. of living. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Well, in full disclosure, I do suffer a little bit. I mean, like, in my meat-eating days, my thing was on a Friday night after work, let's go get beers and get these, like, bacon cheeseburgers at this restaurant called Time. I don't know if you know Time in Center City. Um, but that was my thing, like, burgers. You know, I had a company credit card when I used to travel, and I was, like, everywhere I went, a cheeseburger. I need to eat the cheeseburger everywhere in every big city. I need to try a new cheeseburger. So it's like I still have cravings. I have a, t- I have a ton of recipes for vegan burgers that are amazing. It doesn't mean that I don't still think about cheeseburgers. I, that's really funny <laughs> because I was like, I was a beef eater. Like mm-hmm. I never wanted chicken. I never wanted, po- like that was like not, I love, I loved a good burger. Mm-hmm. And now I find that the only time that I would even, that, that even like crosses my mind is if I'm really, really hungry. Mm-hmm. Like if I've not that's fed myself Absolutely. enough over the course of the day, right. then mm-hmm. there's like my brain still works those same pathways mm-hmm. that that are like yeah. that's what you need like that's mm-hmm. a ton of calories lots of fat like you'll feel full that's what you should eat mm-hmm. and i found that like it it hasn't caused me to actually eat a burger since then but that is the only time that those things even seem remotely appealing at this point mm-hmm. for me hmm. not same situation for me when i gave you the haiti example i kind of left out that there were days where i was trying to be that harsh vegan like oh there's only oats, so I'm just going to eat oats all day. And then at the end of the day, the body's freaking out like, dude, you need fat, you need protein, you need all these other things. And then, like you said, there's like mm-hmm. neuropathways that are mm-hmm. like, you know, 20 years of conditioning, you know, <laughs> get that mm-hmm. burger, get that bacon, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. But I guess to go back to the question that you asked, like, what's, you know, what's your vegan story? I would say when I was about 16 years old, 15, 16 years old, within that time frame, I started to delve deeper into spirituality, yoga. I met someone who uh, taught me how to meditate. And as I was doing a lot of self-reflection and a lot of reading, I stumbled upon Gandhi's autobiography. And Gandhi was a vegetarian. And he spoke about just the effects of trying to integrate meat into his diet. Because he really, I think, I I won't mark Gandhi's words, but from what it sounded like, he kind of envied the bodybuild of Westerners. He was like, man, they're so muscular. Look at their physique. Like, and I think he wanted to try out some, some meat. And he was like, look, the second I ate it, I felt sick. I had to like lay in bed for three days, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, well, that's interesting. Like, if I just stopped eating carrots for 10 years and then I ate a carrot, my body wouldn't have this adverse effect. So what is the body's message? You know, what, what is that? What is the body really signaling to someone who, you know, refrains from eating something and decides to ingest it one day? Um, if you're bedridden for three days after eating a piece of beef, you know? So I was like, what if I tried out a vegetarian diet? So I did it. You know, I fasted, liquid fast, went vegetarian, and I started to integrate meat, cheeses, and eggs again, and it really didn't have much of an effect on my body. For whatever reason, I didn't have any adverse effects. Um, But then, later on, I'd say probably in my college years, I started to feel really heavy and really tired and sluggish, and I was a coffee addict just to keep my eyes open enough to finish textbooks and pass exams and finish books. Like I actually wasn't 
reading the books like the caffeine was reading the books because I didn't have the energy. And it never occurred to me that if I changed my diet, I would have tremendous amount of energy. Like, and it would affect everything from like my ability to read, to focus, to think clearer, to run better, like everything. Sleep better, sleep less hours and feel well rested. And so I watched the movie Forks Over Knives, which spoke about adopting like a raw food plant-based diet. And I started trying it out in a very bad way, you know, like refried beans and corn tortillas. But, it, you know, it was a good change. And I saw like instant effects like loss. Wait, hold on. Sure. Are corn, you're saying corn tortillas are bad? <laughs> um, well, if they're GMO corn tortillas, I mean, like it's it's probably the refried beans that are coming in like a BPA line can that I was OK. Eating, so we're know? not talking about the like the idea of eating a corn tortilla as being bad. It's oh, more no. of like the type of corn tortilla yeah, or the type. Okay. Sure. I was going to say, yeah, no, no, like, corn tortillas don't are, get on my refried at. beans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> you can have your corn tortillas and refried beans. <laughs> totally. Oh, thank God. It's okay. <laughs> totally. Well, no, I, I started to eat some of that food in, in my college years. Me, one, me and one of my buddies who's like a really big like football player type of dude, we were like, oh, let's go raw vegan for like a week or two. He lost like 30, 40 pounds. I lost like 10, 15 Wait, pounds. in a week? In like, I'd say give him like three weeks, he probably lost that much weight. But mind you, he's like 250, 60 pounds. Anyways. Right. Yeah. He's a line, yeah. like a lineman wow. type, of, type right. of guy. He lost a ton of weight, looked like a completely different person. I got really trim and felt like super energetic. But again, inconvenience. That's again why we started this business. It's not convenient to be a vegan. Like it's really the whole world is against you. Mm-hmm. Like it's really a pain. Like you have to plan everything about your day just to eat the food that you need to eat to get the nutrients you need. So... Fast forward to 2015, I quit a job in finance, find myself saying, I'm passionate about all these things, but why don't I have the energy to carry anything out? Like every kept coming back to energy, like life force energy, prana, the word that we use to describe the company. Why don't I have the energy? So I was listening to an audio book by this guy named Michael Beckwith. He's a spiritual teacher out in California, Culver City. And he said he does these weekly fast these liquid fasts and he also kind of like dropped a few lines about being a vegan you know it's like oh that's interesting maybe i'll try this out and i started to slowly adopt a vegan diet i worked for a week uh with my buddy uh vincent DePaul. he has a, a restaurant called gangster vegan in Norristown, where i'm from and i learned some different recipes and after working there and just seeing all the amazing food that he had in front of him like i could buy lunch every day 50 percent off the lunch And I just thought to myself, if I could eat this food every day for an affordable price, I would never need to eat meat, cheese, any of that other stuff that makes me feel sluggish. And then I thought about it when my buddy had hit me up over Instagram about my meals. I was like, he's essentially saying the same thing. I would eat that awesome food if you made it affordable and put it in front of me every day. And it hit me like everyone's saying that. It's not just me. It's not just my buddy. It's like everyone has this problem, whether they know it or not. And so... Yeah, I became vegan after working with Vinny at Gangster Vegan because I was like, I'm just going to commit to making this type of food every day and planning my planning my weeks. You know, I started to do meal prep on weekends, make like five, six smoothies, make a bunch of bars, make a bunch of salads and burgers and stuff and start packing lunches. That's kind of silly as that sound and how like sounds and how that's not men typically don't do that you know that and i think i had to kind of wrap my head around that too Mm -hmm. like my mom always packed my lunch and if she didn't i'd buy school lunch like i've never been a kitchen guy Mm -hmm. like i don't want to be in the kitchen in front of a vitamix Mm -hmm. making quinoa burgers you know and all these things but you know it's you learn to love it after a while so when you say that you make smoothies ahead of time do you make them and freeze them i make yes so if i'm making five or six smoothies i will keep two in the fridge because they have like a 48 hour you know, life before they start to oxidate uh, mm-hmm. or oxidize, um, so long as you have them like well sealed. And then I'll keep three in the freezer. And then whenever I want one, like I'll pull it out and let it defrost for 24 hours and I'll drink it the next morning. Hmm. That's good. That's a good convenient mm-hmm. tip oh, yeah. to learn. Oh, yeah. So when you went vegan, so it sounds like you kind of like st- stuck your foot in a couple different oh, times yeah. before really like making the full on commitment. Yep. So how long was the process from like your first thought <laughs> oh, to like years. go 10 years? Like, yeah, because yeah. it's so inconvenient. <laughs> it's so inconvenient, <laughs> not affordable. You, I felt I couldn't get any of the, all the nutrients I needed. There was this huge learning curve. Like I didn't know that, you know, a handful of dried goji berries have like, you know, multitudes more antioxidants than 
pomegranates. Oh, and by the way, you can get them dried, and they're easy to like throw in a smoothie. Like, and you don't oh, have to like get like oh, pomegranate, pomegranate juice, juice all over you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like all these little tricks. If you, you know, you really do have to become a master of food, a vegan food in a way. Like you know, because this is a completely uncharted territory. And I think that's kind of the cool part of being vegan too. Is like no one really knows what's up. Like. Everyone knows what's up with like bacon and burgers, but start talking about like making like vegan burgers that are like not tofu, that actually like real food that tastes awesome. Like now you're talking like maybe like one, you know, 0.05% of the population might know how to do that, you know, but 90% mm-hmm. of the population can grill a burger. Right. You know, can slap some bacon or cheese on something yeah. and mm-hmm. be content with that. Yeah. yeah. So it feels like we're in like this totally new innovative space. You know, I think that's also a cool aspect of it, too. There definitely is, like, some ego involved in being vegan, without a doubt. Because, like, you're doing something that no one else does. So, like, you're going around with, like, the coolest, most innovative food. Like, when people watch me eating my food, like, what the heck is that? Why is your burger purple? You know? (laughs) Like, oh, I was like, those are are beets. And, like, you know. (laughs) So, was... um... Was animal suffering part of this decision making or did it end up being, it was mostly like a nutrition, like totally how you felt nutrition, thing? totally self-interest. Uh, you know, I grew up in a culture that glamorized violence. You know, my dad taught me how to, and this is different. Like my dad teaching me how to hunt was not, you know, glorification of violence. But just to give you an example, like I grew up dreaming to be a cop so I could shoot people. You know, I was like playing all these violent video games. And then my dad teaching me how to hunt. Like, I've never really had empathy for dead animals because I always rationalize it. Like, no, it's just food. Like, it's just the necessity, you know, other animals eat each other. I'm an animal. I can eat them. You know, there was like this pride almost in taking the life of another animal. Um, and I still, I still don't resonate with a lot of, I still don't res, something in within me doesn't resonate with the logic of a lot of the vegans who come at veganism from the perspective of compassion, compassion for animals. But that doesn't mean I don't agree. Like, I completely agree. Like, I don't feel good about killing animals. Like, I do not feel, I would not ever want to butcher a chicken. And now that I think about it again, I was like, I never really ever want to hunt an animal. Cause like, it's entertainment. And that's what I kind of had to process. Like, I used to hunt for mm. fun. I wasn't hunting cause I needed the animal. I was hunting cause I enjoyed mm. killing something. And like, there's something fundamentally, I wouldn't say wrong about that. It's just, something to consider and something that's like do i really need to do that you know that's kind of the thought that occurs like i don't i don't really need to go and throw my fishing rod into the ocean traumatize a fish just to put it back in for sport i mean that's kind of like crazy (laughs) i don't know there's probably (laughs) other words to describe it it's kind of crazy it's it's not it's not necessary yeah it's not necessary at all and it causes suffering and you know i'll be forthright that like the animal suffering component is the main motivation mm-hmm. for me every not everything else is like a happy accident but mm-hmm. a lot of the other parts of it is mm-hmm. kind of just like well that's great because now i eat so many more vegetables like i am more healthy and i feel better and all of that stuff but like that was not my motivation mm-hmm. so it's so interesting to hear you talk about like so clearly like you've obviously given it a lot of thought yeah. it's so so interesting to me i appreciate your willingness to talk so openly about something that like not a lot of people would feel comfortable talking about i appreciate that a lot yeah you're welcome i'll add one more thing onto it i mean because this is interesting i'm probably a minority like when you think about vegans and why they've become vegan i think a lot of people do it because of like factory farming of animals and not just because of mistreatment of them during factory farming just because of like the quality of the meat that comes out of that you know that that was for me the big turnoff like i'm not going to eat chicken that can't walk, that have broken legs, that need to be fed antibiotics to stay alive. And I'm taking, every time I eat a chicken, I'm taking a dose of antibiotics. They've shown that we become so immune to antibiotics because we take them from chickens. So those were the type of things that, from a health perspective, it just didn't make sense to eat the meat. Um, anyhow, I digress from that. But to say, the thing that got me really committed to veganism was I read a book called um, Finding Ultra which is a book written by a guy who was Stanford grad. He was a swimmer, but he had this issue with drinking and he was getting just like pushed through the corporate world like a lot of college grads were and he became a lawyer and still had an issue with drinking all throughout his adulthood. And one day, his wife, by the way, is a vegan, raw food chef. It's kind of weird that you could be married to someone with like opposite food values as you, but 
one day he's just like, look, I have, I have this huge gut. I can't walk up this step without wheezing, up the steps without wheezing. And he's like, honey, can you help me? And she's like, sure, I can help you. Of course. She was probably <laughs> like, I've been waiting, yeah, I've been waiting so long for, 10 for this years. moment. <laughs> so she puts him on like a liquid fast and he's like, oh, why would I ever eat again? Cause the liquids have me feeling so energetic. Mm-hmm. Like I explained to you, he's like, why would I ever want to eat? And he, then he becomes a bad vegan, like most of us, peanut butter and jelly and, uh, you know, sorry, he became a vegetarian. He became a horrible vegetarian, like grilled cheese and a bunch of crap like that. And then he became a bad vegan. And then he was like, all right, all right, I'm doing this all because I want to feel good. And so when he started to adopt the good, you know, the healthy vegan diet, he had to start exercising to account for all that excess energy I was speaking to you about when you're on those like really light foods. And he actually went on to like become awarded the top 10 uh, most fittest men in the world. Because he ran like multiple ultra marathons back to back to back. And what an ultra marathon is, um, don't mark my words because I'm not, you know, big on this stuff. But it, from what I, from what I understand, it's like you run like 52 miles and then you bike like a hundred <laughs> some miles and then you swim like a few miles. Oh, and by the eye rolls <laughs> at the table right now were like really <laughs> yeah. strong. Like, oh All of us gosh. were like, ooh. 52 mile run. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't just do that. Nothing. He didn't just do that one day. He did like one of those back to back every day for like, I don't know, some ridiculous amount of days. Yeah. And he's a, and he did it all on a vegan diet. And he went to write this book to say, if it wasn't for the vegan diet, frankly, I don't know if I could have done it. Cause he's like recounting all of his experiences of eating steak. He's like, after a steak, you can't work out for three hours after eating steak. No. But I eat a vegan, you know, I eat my vegan dinner. Maybe I take a five minute rest, use the bathroom and I'm out back out on my bike and running again. And so that those were just stories that kind of hit me at my core because, like, that appeals to me as someone who wants to be efficient, in really good shape, and feel amazing. And so, yeah, I, I kind of bit that hook, if you, you know, if you want to say that. That's great. Yeah. I Obviously, now we, we need to talk to Stassi, yeah, too. Yeah. So tell me, like, your story. How did you become vegan? What was the inciting incident for you? Okay. Or um, was there one? Maybe there oh, wasn't yeah, one. Oh, yeah, there definitely was. Um, and my story is really different than Patrick's. Um, so I <clears throat> I became a vegetarian at the age of 14. I'm 29 now. I became vegan very shortly after that, about six months after. So I've been, I've been um, almost nearly 15 years vegan. And so that's like, that's about half my, I've, it'll be over half my life um, vegan. And I, when I made that choice, the time I was a teenage girl with an eating disorder and carbophobic, um, eating a lot of meat and eggs and just like totally afraid of carbohydrates and really had a really unhealthy relationship with my body. Um, and I, I had an uncle who is a longtime vegetarian. He's in his sixties. He's one of the healthiest people I know. He's been vegetarian since age 20, I believe, or 19. Um, the guy is insanely fit, and he's just one of the best human humans that I know, too. And um, so I had his influence in my life, and and then I have a cousin who is also a, a vegan chef. So there were a couple people in my family who were eating a plant-based, eating a plant-based diet, so I had that influence around me. And somehow... Um, I think they were kind of, I was very close with both of them and, uh, just kind of, just kind of observing what they're doing. And somebody planted a bug in my ear about uh, a documentary called Earthlings. Um, and I decided, I decided to watch it. I think I, I don't know if I ordered it online or something, but I remember I, so I sat down in my living room and I watched it and it was like, it was the worst horror film I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, I grew up complete animal lover. Like I had pets all throughout my childhood and I was like very sensitive. If I lost a pet, it was just like devastating to me. I just loved animals. And I saw that film and, and I also read the book, uh, fast food nation, which was a big influence to it talks in very detailed about, uh, the factory farming, not, I don't know if they, I think they go into factory farming. I just remember the, the slaughterhouse descriptions inside the slaughterhouse, those descriptions just being really vivid and, um, even not just, not just like the treatments of the ana, treatment of the animals, but the whole experience, the treatment of the workers too. I Absolutely. believe I heard that slaughterhouse worker has the number one, uh, highest rate of suicides. Mm-hmm. That, I, I don't know if that's correct, but I heard that 
It might be true. It sounds true. <laughs> uh, you know you read, what? I'll look into fast, it okay, and yeah, I'll, I'll make yeah, note okay, of it. Thanks. Yeah. If you read Fast Food Nation and you read the description of what their, what their job entails, you'll, I mean, you could believe it. Um, so all of that, that just, that really, that really just, just moved me to the point of just overnight I made the decision to become a vegetarian. And, um, Unlike other people, I'm kind of an odd case. I had zero trouble becoming vegetarian. And then um, the only reason I didn't become vegan overnight was because I knew that I was going to receive a lot of resistance and judgment from my, from my mother and, uh, and my, um, some of my family members. There was just, this is like, I grew up in standard American household. We ate a lot of burgers, lots of, mac and cheese, just very like just standard American diet. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I became vegan about six months later. Didn't tell anyone. (laughs) 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 I, they all thought they, I mean, at the time being even a vegetarian, my family was like, Oh, it's a phase. It's just, but I became vegan and I literally became vegan overnight and I had zero trouble becoming vegan. I've Mm. never had trouble maintaining a vegan diet. My body responds really well to it. Um, and that was also like saying from going from the girl that was like carbophobic and had an eating disorder, I still didn't have the healthiest relationship with food, but it was like, it was a huge move for me to go from like, like I was completely focused on my body, uh, and like being healthy to kind of just, I kind of just threw that all away. And I was like, I'm just going to be vegetarian. And it was a struggle for a long time to really find a balance in my eating because I just didn't have this. I didn't, I didn't really know how to. And even, even though eating a vegetarian diet, um, you can really thrive on that. At the time it was like, this was, this was a long, I mean, this was a long time ago. The, the, the supermarkets are very different in today's world than they were then. It was like, I was, I was eating a lot of Boca burgers and, um, pasta and just not a, not a balanced diet. And I was also a teenager in high school. I didn't know, I didn't know what to eat. (laughs) (laughs) And did you, did, your family make you make your own meals? Oh yeah. I always, I always prepared. I did my own grocery shopping. My mom would send me to the grocery store with her credit card. And until I got my first job at the age of 16, I started, I got a job at a health food store and that was where things really started to shift for me. Um, I was in that store and I would look at the shelves and I had no idea what I was looking at. <laughs> I was looking at the bags. I remember looking at bags of grains and one day I bought like every grain that was on the shelf. I went home <laughs> with like camu, wheat berries, like quinoa. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to make with camu, but I did. I remember I made a camu wheat berry salad. <laughs> it's like not, not the tastiest salad, <laughs> but I was like determined to learn about these foods because this was like, this was, it was a complete, completely different world for me. Um, and, uh, so, and, th- and at that time we didn't really have as many processed vegan options like they do in today's world. So I might've even had an advantage there where I was forced to like really investigate the world of legumes and grains mm-hmm. and vegetables and fruits. And like, I would, I, I would go to the Asian grocery store and I would get lots of noodles and I would love, I love to get my produce there. Um, so, uh, so I've been vegan ever since it's really never been a challenge for me whatsoever. Um, part of that might be because I did it so young. And, um, so I started condition reconditioning my, myself at such an early age. Uh, and, and I love it. It's just not, it's, it's not, it's never been a challenge. And I've been really fortunate to have a lot of great jobs to work with people in the vegan community and, um, learn, I will say too, um, that, that, that my reason for becoming vegan was, uh, was environmental and animal compassion reasoning, but it did evolve from there and it became, became a spiritual choice where I also start, took on a path of being, uh, practicing yoga and meditation and the vegetarian diet just always aligned with that choice. And, um, and also, uh, um, for health reasons, this, like this, I can eat the most nutrient dense, antioxidant rich food. I feel like I eat the best food on the planet. I don't feel deprived whatsoever. 
because I, I honestly feel that way. Like if somebody looks at me and they ask me like, what do you eat? If I tell them I'm vegan, it's just like hilarious <laughs> to me because I'm like, I, I would be curious to see what you eat because I feel like I'm like, I just eat the, I eat the most vibrant, delicious food. And I'm a foodie. I love to cook. I, I, I don't ever feel deprived. And we're fortunate to be in, you know, in Philadelphia, there's, there's such an abundance of vegan restaurants, but I've, I've, I used to travel, I traveled for a year solid and I was in like, even in Arkansas and Oklahoma, I could find vegan food. So I can do it anywhere. So when you say you guys both mentioned the spiritual aspect of mm-hmm. being vegan, what, what does that mean in practical terms for you? Like what, what does that actually, how does it fit in? I, I understand that a vegan diet really fits in well with um, with yoga and meditation and that kind of stuff like that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. What, what is it? Like, how does it all work? Tell me, tell me about this. Oh, I don't man. know anything about it. Well, I mean, there's like, there's several things that come to mind. I mean, I think of like, I think if you're, uh, for me, I think of things in terms of, um, vibration and like, I think of like food, like mm-hmm. certain foods have a really light, high vibration, like plant foods. They're, they're very, uh, I, they're very light in terms of their energy. And then when I think of meat, it just, it's just a heavy, a heavy vibration. And I think people even feel this, like when they ingest meat, like you feel like it's a different state of consciousness that it even puts you in. Like if you're eating plants, like a lot of, a lot of vegans, a lot of people that are eating a plant-based diet, I notice like they have a different, they're in a different state of consciousness mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're more conscious and aware possibly. Um, because it's such an, it's such an, um, they're eating, they're eating food that's just in a different, it's a different vibration. What do you mean by vibration? Mm, um, well, I mean, how do I say that? Um, well, vibration, energy. So I mean, energy is essentially what I'm trying to say. And, <clears throat> An animal, an animal that's been tortured and murdered has a different kind of energy to it. Um, it's also completely dead. And there's, whereas I'm, if you're ingesting plants, this is something that's alive. There's a life force to it. So it's a very, to me, that's a very different kind of energy to put into my body. Yeah. That, that's a really important distinction to make that is hard to explain i think like i i I get what you're saying but i you know i don't have the words to describe. like it does it makes sense that like something that something that was tortured and murdered and had a terrible life Mm -hmm. wouldn't have something that something that was alive would have but i don't know what that thing would be you know it's 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 hard to talk about that's why i asked you i was hoping that you could help me figure it out yeah i mean that's even something that I still play with in my, in my mind. I mean, I know that you know, one of my mentors who taught me how to meditate told me that he studied under an Ayurvedic doctor in different like yogis, you know, swamis, like guys who are really into yoga and meditation. And what they had told him in their, they trained him in Ayurvedic medicine because he's like a health coach and an MD, all these other things. What they told him was, if you eat a dead animal, you take on the energy of that animal, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's the belief of, you know, I'm sure you could find that dated back into a lot of different civilizations. Like this, this is the thinking and philosophy behind eating animals. And they, they speak about that when an animal kills its prey in nature, you know, oh, they, when the lion kills the X animal, the lion takes on the energy and the spirit of that animal, you know, it's like kind of like folktale type stuff. But, you know, in reality, you are, you're taking on the life force of, a dead being, you know, and I don't know vibrationally or energetically what's actually happening. Unfortunately, I cannot see through your body and see your chakras. You know, maybe when you're, <laughs> maybe when you're eating meat, your chakras are being blocked. I don't know, you know, but I, but I can say this much, you know, after, and this is also if you were to look into Ram Das, who's like a spiritual teacher, a meditation teacher, he'll say the same thing. You meditate for so long. You're, you rise in self-awareness to such an extent that when you eat certain foods, you feel your energy shifting right mm-hmm. away. And so I say that to say, because I've spent hours in meditation, like self-reflection, and afterwards I'll drink a certain tea 
and the qualities of the tea and how that tea affects my energy, I'm aware of in a way that I've never been aware of before. To the point where I've eliminated certain things out of my diet. And that's kind of, I think, how I started to eliminate the meat. Because when I take meat, and even alcohol, like alcohol, I didn't quit it because I'm an addict. Like, I actually don't have any addiction issues with alcohol. I quit it because when I started to even sip it, wine, anything, my energy started to shift in such a way that it felt like, what's happening to me? Like, something wrong is happening, and I don't know how to explain it. It just feels really wrong. And so, I don't know if, if what I'm saying is saying, everyone, you're so asleep and unconscious <laughs> that you don't even know when you're eating meat that it's hijacking you. But honestly, I would probably stretch far to almost say that because you really don't know actually what it you really on a conscious level don't know what it's doing to you until you step away from it and come back to it so that's a that's a really good point i've i've not one of the things that i've been able to tell people most concretely about what's different for me is that i never feel terrible after a meal Mm. never Mm -hmm. like even (laughs) even if i'm eating kind of like the junk food Mm -hmm. vegan food Mm -hmm. i still i don't ever feel Mm. anything close to what I used to feel after mm. a burger <laughs> or something really cheesy or something like yeah. that. It's, mm-hmm. it, it has, that for me has been like one of the very clearest changes for me. Is that kind of your experience as well? Absolutely. You- yeah. I mean, I, I, when I was, uh, before I became a vegetarian and a vegan, I remember it was just like, it was, it was very normal to me to feel to feel even as I mean this was when I was very young to feel tired um just just didn't I I would feel tired I would feel sick there was no connection in my mind between like thinking of food as being like a form of medicine for me which mm. is there's that quote by Hippocrates that's let food be thy medicine and medicine be thine food um which really resonates with me so yeah, I don't, I don't have that experience. I just always, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it would be like if I was to introduce animal products into my diet at this point. It's just been so long, but I'm happy to just continue, continue <laughs> well, feeling good. There's no reason to like, do that there's experiment. There's no need for the well, experiment. I can tell you, I just did it. I mean, when I was on right. vacation and boy, what diet was sick for like two, I mean, not two days, probably just about 18 hours. Like, my digestive system was just like, no, wait, like, what are you doing? Either yeah. you commit to eating this meat again and let, let my, let me get used to this or just like go back mm-hmm. to cutting it completely out. And I thought that was interesting that like, why can't I eat three chicken wings and just digest it? Like if, you know, what, what's wrong? Like, but yeah, that was a huge issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, interesting. Really tired, needed so much extra sleep and got mm-hmm. really sick. Wow. Yeah. That's really, as three people who, or as two other people who have been had, meat in a very long time that's really fast i what like i can't i don't i'm not going to do this but like i kind of want to see what it would be like you know mm-hmm. like self-experimentation and see you know sure i'm definitely not going to do it please don't <laughs> write me emails or yeah. tweets or <laughs> I, you know like for me when i even there's no like trigger in my mind when i look at animal products and like like if i see a hamburger or a steak i got I, I guess it's, um, maybe I've just conditioned myself to the point where I just, I don't even recognize it as food. There's nothing that triggers in mm. my mind that says like, that says, Oh, I want that or something. Mm. It's like, it, it's like, I don't even see it. It's like, it's just not, it's not an option. It's not, I don't see it as mm-hmm. food. It's just not. Mm-hmm. But if you put like a big juicy mango in front of my face, I'm going to maul it. <laughs> 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 like that's, that, that is food to me. So it's really funny. I was giving, advice to a friend of mine who found out she was lactose intolerant and she was having a really hard time not eating dairy. And I was like, that's the key is you just have to look at it and know that it's not food for you. Like it just isn't, it doesn't, Mm -hmm. it's not for you. It maybe it's food for somebody else, but like when you look at it, it's not. One of the reasons why I became a vegan was, um, a vegan friend of mine. She said to me about milk, she said, she just the simple statement that, dairy milk is meant for a baby cow like mm-hmm. that was so powerful for me i was like yeah what it she's right why am i drinking like that's not made for my body that's made for a baby cow and it was just like it was so funny at the age of 15 like how like i was like blown away with that it just made complete sense to me it just it was just like oh duh and i was just like all right no more milk that's not for me um 
so that was that was an easy one for me. That's so that's really that's great. I love that that was like it's such a simple statement and it was such a light bulb moment for you. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. 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 So I wanted to ask you guys if you have recommendations for people who are interested in learning more about either vegan diet or vegan thought yes. or like books <laughs> or websites or anything that you've found that were really powerful for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, there's so many great documentaries mm-hmm. out there. Um, what did you say was the one Forks Over Knives? That's a mm-hmm. great documentary. I mean, if you want to, if you want to subject yourself to the, you know, if you have, if, if you want, if you're thinking that you want to become more aware of the factory farming industry, Earthlings is, you have to be ready for it. It's super intense, but that film is. It's good for, I think it's good to be aware. I mean, if you're, if you're consuming animals, then just to be aware of what, what you're contributing to in the world. Is that something that you really want to contribute to? One of the things that helped me realize that it was time for me to go vegan was that I wouldn't watch it. Mm. That I knew. I don't blame you. I knew that I, and I still haven't seen it, but I knew that if I couldn't watch it, if I couldn't handle what mm. was actually happening, that I had no business taking part in it. So mm-hmm. that's a good point. I, I sure. appreciate you kind of giving that warning, but <laughs> also like saying that, you know, for some people it is really, really important to see that kind of stuff. If you, yeah. And if you have a resistance to it and you're still going to continue to eat the meat, then like, I mean, I would really think about that. Like why, you know, if you have such a resistance and you, you, you don't want to see those images, but then you want to continue to contribute to that industry in this world, uh, what is, what's really going on there? You might really want to contemplate that. Like, is that really the choice that you want to make? It's a good point. Did you have any recommendations? Yeah. yeah. A long list. But <laughs> if I were to boil them down to the top, you know, cause you could go on Netflix and just search documentaries and, you know, you should add to your wish list a ton of them. You know, a ton <laughs> of great ones. I, I think a new one's called Plant Pure Nation. Really cheesy name, but supposedly a really good, uh, flick. There's a uh, Food Matters, which uh, I think features uh, David Avocado Wolf in it. Um, oh, yeah. I think he kind of leads that one. That was really good. And the, the newest one, which I actually just helped um, a friend of mine named Janet Tool. She did a screening of this documentary that's new out on Netflix. It's called Cowspiracy. Did a screening of that in King of Prussia uh, at the IMAX theater. And that one is amazing. It talks about just how environmentally unsustainable it is to husband cattle and husband other animals and livestock and how it's the leading cause of global warming. Arguably, I think there's some arguments against that. Anyhow, it's a big contributor to, you know, uh, global warming. Uh, this is the argument of the film. And it's it's really, really compelling. It's, it's scary, the stuff that's happening um, that's revealed in the flick. So there's that. There is, I don't know that I'd advise that this is like the book to check out, but one of the books that I read that my mom kind of convinced me to read was Skinny Bitch when I was a kid. <laughs> oh yeah, I read and that. Then, and then they made Skinny Bastard, you know, they did. Did the, they? They decided you know they to do one for men too, which is about factory farming and why you're kind of an mm-hmm. a-hole if you eat meat. It was kind of a weird, mm-hmm. the tone of the book was a little weird, but it was good. Um, yeah. The documentary, um, Go Further, I just thought of that. That's actually what... I became a raw foodist for a period of time in my early 20s. And did you see that? No. Um, it's Woody Harrelson's documentary. Oh, okay. Uh, Is he a raw vegan? I believe he's vegan. And oh. during that film, I'm, he was raw vegan. So, like, he's he's on... He does a, he does a, bike, a bike trip down the West Coast. Mm. It's him and a group of people. And they, they have a bus following them that they're, I'm assuming they're sleeping in it. And they hired a raw vegan chef to come along with them and she made all their food for mm, this humongous, wow. like bike, long, long Sounds bike fun. trip. <laughs> yeah. But I remember like watching that and just looking. She made a, she made an avocado, chocolate avocado pie. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it like, it was like, it just blew that again. That blew my mind. Like, how do you, how do you make chocolate and avocado work? Mm-hmm. And it does. Mm-hmm. It works so well. <laughs> it works really well. <laughs> yeah. But that's like, that's a good inspiration if you, you know, if you, if you want to opt for it, like, if you're going in the direction of health with a vegan lifestyle yeah there's two other ones yeah. uh gmo omg um which is really good about gmos the other one is food inc which is about factory oh, yeah. farming 
there's another one that's called Queen of the Sun, which is actually about the extinction of honeybees. Mm -hmm. It's really good, and they show they speak about how monocropping is contributing to that and other Mm -hmm. factors like pesticides and things. But this is cool. I think I think there's no like there's this guy in the conspiracy environmentalist guy who was being sued by the cattle industry for speaking out against him, and he was just like, look, straight up, guys. You cannot call yourself an environmentalist if you eat meat. You know, that's the conclusion that the documentary came to. It's not even about the ethics mm-hmm. of it. It's just like, it's just environmentally unsustainable. For every burger you eat, you're consuming, like, the input that had to go into that burger, like, 1,100 gallons of water, and you realize that we have a water crisis. You realize that we have a hunger crisis and starvation crisis, and you're overfeeding and overstuffing all of these animals with grains, corn, things that humans could eat. If we literally redirected all the food, and we were feeding to farm-raised oh animals to Isn't humans. We would end, end, yeah, end it's, starvation. It's crazy because I I got really obsessed with corn for a while, as most people who start paying attention to this stuff do. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I had to realize about that particular, um, like like that part of that argument, is that we couldn't actually just take the corn that we're growing for cows and just put it on the plate for people. Mm-hmm. It's more a question of the land use, I think, and like how much water goes into watering the feed corn versus like what it would take to grow crops that people could mm-hmm. eat mm-hmm. and and how much land we give over to feed corn and soybeans and things like like mm-hmm. and like cash crops like that as opposed to the food that we could actually consume because we can't eat the same corn that they feed to cows because mm-hmm. it's like very starchy it's not the uh, it's not okay. the sweet corn that gotcha, we gotcha, enjoy right. eating it's, a different kind of corn. it's like sure yeah it's gotcha. kind of almost like like I don't know. It has a very different texture. It doesn't mm-hmm. have like the same. I would figure. Yeah. yeah it's, it's different. You no, know, it's feed. It's, it's not. Feed, exactly. No. Well, this, guys, I have had such a lovely time talking mm. with you and I want you to plug your business again, Prana Company. Prana Co or Prana Company? The Prana Company or Prana Co. Pro- <laughs> <laughs> okay. So both. <laughs> so where can people find you? How social media, all that good stuff. So. You know, we have all our social media sites, but with any small business, it's kind of a hassle to keep up with them in the beginning. So, like, the real hub of all of our activity will be on our website, which is just the, T-H-E, Prana, P-R-A-N-A, Co, C-O, for company, dot com. The Pranaco.com. And if people want to give us a shout, we're totally the type of cool people to take text messages. I mean, (laughs) we live in, you know, a world where everything's flat, so you could always text me personally if you really wanted to at 484-868-1683 and i'd be cool with that great <laughs> we All can right. chat health coaching or whatever <laughs> there's and you can contact us through the website too but True. definitely reach out we'd love love to connect with people and um thank you so much this was really fun yeah thank yeah. you guys for coming next time we'll do a cooking show <laughs> <laughs> tegan goes vegan is found at tegangoesvegan.com on Twitter, at Tegan Goes Vegan. On Pinterest, at Tegan Goes Vegan. The show is produced by Tegan and Nathan Karuna, with music by Amanda D'Amato. If you enjoyed the show, please consider giving it a rating or a review on iTunes. It helps other people find the show more easily. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be back soon with more great vegan conversations.